0: Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of The Pastors' Cut. Our guest this week is Noah Chung, and he is at our Near South Region with the longest title on staff, which is why I can't even say it because I don't know it. But he serves as an associate pastor at the Near South Region.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and we get to talk with Noah about uh, Romans three one through eight in a sermon this past weekend, and. uh, the advantages that Jewish people have. We get to dive pretty deep this week, so looking forward to that, as well as discussing the listener question, how do you lovingly confront a brother or sister in Christ uh, who's in sin? So, should be good.
0: Yeah, we're ready to get started. I'm Sharon Brandis.
1: And I'm Trevor Lovell.
0: And this is The Pastor's Cut with Noah Chung. Hey, Noah.
2: Hey, what's up? How are you? I'm doing well.
0: Good. So Trevor and I are curious. Last week we heard about Giant, which is a restaurant that a couple people love and claim as their favorite. What is your favorite restaurant in the city of Chicago?
2: Giant, wow. Okay, that's a tough one to follow. Um, so I live in the Bridgeport neighborhood. So my favorite restaurant should be there. And I am <laughs> going, <laughs> uh, I am going to pick... Uh, it's kind of this new up and coming one. Well, it's been about around two years. It's called Duck Inn. Okay. Um, it's mm-hmm. by a local guy, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think it's, it has one of the best happy hour deals. Uh, like they have like half off almost everything if you get in between five to six. Um, and they do a lot of like cool things like duck, like duck hot dogs, and like this rotisserie duck that is excellent, yeah. really excellent. Yeah, it's pretty unique, so I would recommend that one.
0: Yeah. You're a fan of duck then. Trevor, are uh, you a fan of duck?
2: I don't think I've ever actually had duck before. Okay. <laughs> and you are missing out.
1: Yeah, yeah. sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like I have a growing list of restaurants I need to try out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Giants? Uh, pretty expensive, I think. It is. Yeah.
0: We should be cataloging all the restaurants that yeah. the pastors say throughout, the, throughout yeah. this season so that someone can use it as a resource.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Noah, you preached at Bridgeport this past weekend? Yeah, at Bridgeport and South Loop. And yeah, South Loop. Yeah, yeah. Can you give us a quick recap of your sermon?
2: Yeah, so uh, one this passage, Romans 3, 1 through 8, uh a lot of commentators, I think even John Piper said that it's one of the most difficult passages, actually the most difficult passage in Romans to preach on. Okay. Mainly because of a lot of the Jewish, uh, first century Christian kind of like uh, theological, contextual, all those kind of backgrounds that are packed in that little, that verse. So what I did, I just went through those, they have like there's three to four like objections that. Paul brings up and um, we'll talk about some of it again but kind of the questions like what advantage is there to be a Jew or mm-hmm. uh, does my unrighteousness sh- uh, show God's righteousness and then why is he judging for our sin a lot of those yeah. kind of questions so I kind of go through that in like the first 15 minutes yeah. uh, and it's, it's pretty just kind of surface level. And then what I did was I kind of, uh, I used an illustration of uh, this fable called The Emperor's New Clothes. Are you familiar with that fable? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, just kind of basically it's a story about this emperor who hires like these philosophers to make him the best garment in the world. But in actuality, the garment is like this invisible cloth that only the pure and wise can see. (laughs) And so basically the emperor gets fooled and he... They don't. he doesn't recognize it until he's wearing this fake garment in a parade. And everyone is like celebrating and not wanting to say he's mm-hmm. naked because they don't want to appear uh, impure and wise. <laughs> and at, at the end, the little kid basically says like that king's naked and everyone kind of realizes their foolishness. Mm-hmm. And I use that illustration to kind of show how just like the Jewish uh, debater here is basically trying to have human made or uh, religiously made Arguments to cover up their sins that in actuality Paul is trying to reveal And so I kind of go mm-hmm. through um, kind of these false garments that we in our society wear Kind of like these, this idea like, you know, good works garment or, uh, We make excuses of our sins and just trying to help relate that to the people And so mm-hmm. I kind of go through those things and uh, of course preach the gospel at the end And uh, do my best to make it relatable to us 21st mm-hmm. century American Christians And so that's kind of what I did. Uh, It's unconventional, I would say, but I would say that that helped me preach it and make it more understandable Mm -hmm. and share a cool fable as well. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, That's a good illustration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what got cut?
2: Yeah. um, So a lot of my commentary and scholarly work got cut Mm. because. So basically, yeah. I mean, the sermon itself it's it's so it can get so dense and. Uh, convoluted because of all the kind of Jewish arguments because right here Paul is basically talking specifically to first century Christian Jews Mm -hmm. who are very dependent within um, the covenant, the circumcision the law, things like that and so I cut a lot of like explanation of what advantages Jewish people may have so Mm -hmm. I didn't go too much into that Um, I know that in Romans 9 through 10 we'll talk more about that so I just left that to the side And then I also cut a lot of uh, the philosophical kind of arguments that you could make within each of these objections. Like uh, one of the big ones is that um, uh, basically the audience or like the Jewish debater asking if, if my unrighteousness shows the righteousness of God, what shall we say then? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? And then Paul goes, by no means, for how could God judge the world? So basically the idea that if my sin makes much of God's righteousness and glory, then why is God punishing my sin when it also would it also attributes to his righteousness and glory? I didn't really touch really into that as much because it's a pretty large argument. I know it's interesting. Paul just kind of shuts it down immediately in his kind of argument. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in today, our society, we would be very, we're, we're having people ask that same question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't do much in... Like, talk much about that because I yeah. don't think Paul's trying to address that particular point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting too that because Paul, as he brings that up, they are arguing kind of knowing Paul's message of grace, yeah. and they're kind of bringing that question up to kind of you know combat him. Yeah. And so, which that comes back up in chapter six, right? And when, mm-hmm. when he answers with baptism? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so, it's uh, I cut a lot of those things out, but I personally did not do a lot of that study. To get too like dense in the passage Because I knew if I did that Mm -hmm. It would be hard to retract and preach Relevantly to Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. Our people essentially so uh, I didn't cut that much in terms of Like that way but I could have cut a lot more if I did More like dense Mm -hmm. study That makes sense yeah Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. So you mentioned the first question is about
2: If Jews have an advantage Compared to Gentiles Okay. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. how would
0: you answer that in today's context (sighs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, man, there are some of the pastors who love this kind of question, but I personally don't like this question as much. Uh, the I would say that Jews are God's chosen people for his uh, eventual promise and completion of the gospel uh, to all people. So they are, they are the vehicle and the means to accomplish uh, the purpose to reach all people. And so would I say that Jews have an advantage Today, I would not say that they have an—so I personally would not say they have an advantage today if you are a 21st century Jewish person because we all have the revelation of God and his word. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the past, for the beginning of Genesis, through all the way to Malachi, I believe those Jewish people, they did have a revelation because they were given— the law of god but then also like in that time period a lot of gentiles are also kind of grafted into them and so it wasn't that just the jewish ethnic group had a privilege per se but i would say people who feared god and chose to be part of that people because god was with them had an advantage so that Mm -hmm. would be more my Mm -hmm. thing and it's it's more important for the first century jew because this is like the big conversation having Mm. been having, like, in Romans, but also, like, in Jerusalem and, and everywhere. And so, mm-hmm. it's not that relevant for us today, mm-hmm. but back then it was much more relevant. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's my personal opinion on that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. And so, like, kind of what Paul's trying
1: to do is, to, like, to clear the slate and say, like, maybe in a former period, like, there was an advantage because you had revelation that that not, not every person had. Yeah. Um, but saying that at this point in time, we kind of all come on the same ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. It's it's also in verse two, Paul says that you are entrusted with the oracles of God. Mm-hmm. And oracles is interesting because it's, it's kind of confusing for us, but it really just means like revelations are divine interpretations. And the word entrusted is really key because they weren't just given the oracles of God for themselves, but they were entrusted with it so that as they live in that same manner, as they obey the law, as mm-hmm. they move forward with the covenant, then other people will be blessed as Genesis 12, 3 says through Abraham, right? And so mm-hmm. they're entrusted with the oracles of God. They weren't just mm-hmm. given it to them so that they can be different from Gentiles, mm-hmm. which is interesting mm-hmm. that Paul uses that language. So he's even like saying to them, like, this wasn't really yours to begin with. You were entrusted mm-hmm. with it. You're yeah. stewarding this, you know? But I think back then, many of the Jews... Believe that it was like ours, mm-hmm. if that makes yes. sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting, yeah. Because you could make the same case for um, for our position as followers of Christ today, whether you're a Jewish follower of Jesus or, or Gentile, that we've all been entrusted with with something, you know, entrusted with. Yeah, you go into a conversation around spiritual gifts, but also just that we have have the Word, have the the gospel message that we believe and trust in. Mm-hmm. Um, that these things, in the same way, they're not given just to us not given to us just for us to hold on to, but for mm-hmm. the benefit of others as well entrusted in that sense. Yeah. It's interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what else got cut?
2: Yeah. Uh, I would say besides that, um, basically the, another Jewish argument is that like, if, um, you know, if my, if the Jewish people failed, then does that mean that God is unfaithful and fulfilling his promises? And, uh, as the Jewish debater is constantly kind of asking those questions, kind of having this imaginary debate that Paul is having, I think a lot of the questions that the Jewish debater is asking is actually like, they're more like human questions. They're not like specifically within Jewish tradition. They're basically saying like, you know, can God really be trusted? Mm -hmm. Um, is God really faithful? Or is my sin really that bad? If God's going to forgive me and his grace is going to shine. And so I didn't talk too much about this. I kind of touched upon this, but basically the idea idea that, you know, we as humans feel like we have a right to judge God's decision and his character. Um, And I think that's a really interesting thing for us today because I feel like because of like modernity and reasoning that we in like this idea of like equality and freedom that we can actually judge God and see if his acts are just and faithful. Yeah. And we put that along our like kind of spectrum of like judging, which I think is totally wrong. If we actually believe that God is perfect and judge and faithful. And for the Jewish people, they would definitely have believed that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of a a great reversal that we're kind of doing. Um, And I didn't talk much about that. uh, Yeah. Yeah. But that's interesting to begin to see. Uh, I know Paul does bring it up again, like later on in, in Romans a little bit, but yeah, just that kind of, that natural human pride of like wanting to judge God is, is interesting too as well. Yeah. yeah. that That is interesting. Um,
1: even that, um, so Charles Taylor is a Catholic uh, philosopher, theologian, wrote the book, A Secular Age. Mm-hmm. And in that, he talks about how, he's trying to get at the answer for how did um, we go from a time where like 500 years ago, it was almost impossible not to believe in God, whether you were Christian or not, at least mm-hmm. in uh, kind of like North Atlantic, Western society. And then you, 500 years, this transformation takes place in which you feel this pressure, whether you're a person of faith or not, uh, you have this understanding that there are other options, other other ways to approach life and other things to believe in. Then mm-hmm. um, you see your faith as one option among many. And he's saying that it wasn't always that way. And uh, throughout the course of those 500 years, theodicy, the practice of basically Justifying God, like what Paul is doing here, that that, that becomes something that's really popular mm. um in that time period of basically like kind of putting God in the dock, holding mm-hmm. God on trial. Um, yeah, yeah, which is interesting to think that that hasn't always been something that has been really prevalent in culture, but you've seen it develop yeah. much more over the past couple hundred years. But then you mm-hmm. see it
2: here with Paul as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, even the whole idea of apologetics and how that's mm-hmm. such a big thing in the past, like. 50 years or so. Yeah. Um that's what what Paul is doing right now essentially. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, it wasn't as like a as mm-hmm. well-known or popular back. I mean, in some way it was, but like but they mm-hmm. all believed in some kind of god. And so before us, we were having mm-hmm. to like prove first god exists, but then also now what could the character of god is because the biggest mm-hmm. the most common question we have today is like how could god be like loving and still allow suffering? Those kind of questions and things like that. And so yeah. a lot of it is like we're like defending god in a way. Um, which is Mm. an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. yeah. -hmm.
0: I think to, you know, putting God on trial, right, where we're being judged and we're, you know, questioning why things have happened the way they have happened when we think, I don't, I mean, even in society today, like a common interview question is like, what's your five-year plan, your 30-year plan? And as a Christian, I always just kind of, gawk at that question of like I don't I can like hope for things but God at any minute can be like well no we're actually going to go down this path of your life and Mm -hmm. it looks nothing like what we would have thought and so for us to sit back and say like God you know what why did this all happen within your will and question his character, even though at the end of it, we usually come back to like, oh, I see why. And this is your character. So I'm curious for you this week, like reading this scripture, how did it come off the pages to you and to your life about ways that maybe you put God on trial?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, kind of going back to the idea of the Emperor's New Clothes Fable and how we temptation for just humanity itself it's we we kind of cover uh we kind of make excuses or use various reasons to cover up our sins or cover up our like brokenness our failures and um one of those is like we we blame god for our situations our circumstances and things like that and i i definitely think like back in like high school and college uh, so I grew up very much in a, like an immigrant household. so my parents are both from Korea. Uh, they came with very little money or training um, and they my dad worked a very like typical immigrant job. He like had a like a, a shoe repair slash like dry cleaner business. Um, somewhat successful, somewhat not. But because a lot of the struggles as an immigrant, there's mm. a lot of common issues that come about because of the stress. For my dad, it was uh, alcoholism that really did that. And mm. uh, kind of compiling that then with being in a very uh, monocultural community that kind of grew up in in my school. I was the only like Asian American in my high school of like 2,400 mm. students or whatnot. And so a lot of just different struggles of like, why God did you put me here in this place with yeah. this family? And so uh, definitely I have questioned God a lot at that point because my mom was a very, very faithful like Christian woman, went to church every single day, uh, very faithful. And I, d- I definitely questioned God a lot throughout that. And because of that, I even studied like sociology in college because I wanted to figure out why is an Asian American in the middle of a St. Louis-like suburb uh, mm-hmm. that… You know, why am I here? You know, I should be in Korea, shouldn't I? And so all those kind of questions come up and you challenge, you know, God, why this? God, why that? Mm-hmm. And at the end, I began to realize for me personally that God had put me in that situation. And yeah, it was very hard from family and community-wise um, and a lot of stories within that. But he put me in that situation so that I would begin to first trust him more mm-hmm. um, to Also understand and empathize with those who have similar struggles like with me with family with identity issues with being asian american and so that i can then be a blessing to others afterwards and it's only by the power of the spirit by um, mentors by a strong christian community um, by the gospel being preached to me over and over and over again that i came to that resolution and so for people who are asking the question like why god like god i blame you for this god it's your fault for that like I at the end of it, I don't really I can't blame them because it's mm-hmm. a human condition that we're going mm-hmm. through. It's a human, you know, agony that we're going yeah. through. Yeah. Um you know. But I for me, I do know that there is hope on the other side. I think even amidst all the blaming God and questioning God, there's something like innately in us that I feel like we want to kind of grab onto a hope. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that what that's what's kind of carried me through my journey. And Hopefully, as I'm continuing in my journey, I can help others along that process too um, within the hope that Christ gives to us and how the gospel does reconcile and heal uh, and redeem and restore so many parts of our lives that we feel um, are broken. And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of, I feel like, you know, it reminded me a lot about this. I shared a story in my sermon about how my mom um, is like almost a picture of God's faithfulness. And how God is always faithful, even when we are faithless. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think that's a really good reminder in this text uh, that, you know, uh, Paul has his line in Second Timothy that, you know, if we're faithless, he's still faithful, which is really just kind of because God cannot change who he is. Yeah, uh, That's mm-hmm. such an incredible reminder and just truth for us to kind of take away, even as we question God, blame God. Ask them, you know, it's your fault for doing this and that. I mean, there's so many things that we have. Even as Christians, we still ask, right? Yeah. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we're not immune to it yeah. just because we've placed our faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if yeah, anything, yeah. it's that's when it starts. Mm-hmm. What about you, Trevor?
1: Um with me, I remember learning this in seminary um with a professor in kind of a class conversation around the Psalms. And how uh, in a lot of the psalms, the the author will be in a kind of a difficult situation, um, and they're crying out to God, and a lot of times they're upset mm-hmm. and they're angry with God and expressing that. So somewhat similar to this, but maybe not so philosophical in its approach. It's more so coming from a place of pain and like an emotional place, mm-hmm. and um, that in some ways, you know, all the scripture being God breathed, it's, it's like the the word of God given to us. And the fact that the Psalms are written in that way, it's almost like God giving us license to come to him in that way, oh. um, to fully express what we're feeling, to express our anger, to express our, uh, sadness, our frustration, even when it's with him, um, that that's something that he's like, it's okay. i I can, I can handle that. Um, yeah. And so that's something that I've, that I've leaned into in different seasons and, um, yeah, it's funny though cuz like when the season comes to an end it's it's always kind of like, "Oh, okay, I get it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, like, you were there. You were you were doing something. It yeah. just wasn't exactly as quickly or in quite the, the way that I wanted it to be, but I see what you were doing. Yeah. Um even if I didn't at the moment, but yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you?
0: Yeah, I mean even in you saying that, I think there's a season that I'm still the season's still unfolding in God's picture and that's with losing my mom last year of like mm-hmm. i i've seen God's goodness since she's passed away but i'm still not sure what the the end result of that season is and why she was taken mm-hmm. from me at you know mm-hmm. the age of 30 or whatever yeah. um so i think there's i i i agree because there's other chapters in my life that i look back on and i'm like Oh, like that's why you ended that relationship or that's why I was single at mm-hmm. that moment. And now it's like, now I'm heading into marriage and it's like, Oh, I see yeah. why mm-hmm. you waited to bring me my now fiance. Like I get it, but there are some seasons where it's longer, where it could be years before, Yeah, you know, God's brought it all full circle of like well like this is my will because this is what's best for you and so i think with my mom's death i think sometimes i'm still like in the psalms of Mm -hmm. like crying out to god like Mm -hmm. have you forgotten me and you know why would you do this and so i i agree with that i Mm -hmm. love the psalms especially Mm -hmm. if i'm ever having a day where i'm feeling more depressed or sad or frustrated with god or someone Mm -hmm. else like yeah, David cried out a lot in the Psalms, mm-hmm. um, and that gives us freedom and mm-hmm. um, even structure of how to yeah. how to come to God with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another really good piece of advice. I'm I'm trying to remember who taught me this. It was either Glenda Childers or Joy Eshelman, mm-hmm. two amazing ladies at uh, Near yeah. North, mm-hmm. and they said that the three words you need to know when you're praying to God. Oh man, and now I'm going to forget them. Are <laughs> Please. Oh, I got it. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Please help and thank you. Uh-huh. That sometimes you don't know what to pray, but if you can Yeah. If you are asking God for something, start with please. If you need help with something, like you can just say like help me God. I don't I don't know what else I'm doing. Yeah. Um especially in times of Agony, sadness, whatever it may be, or mm-hmm. celebration times when you're just saying thanks. I don't re- I don't really have a lot to say to you today, God. To you, God, but uh thanks. Mm-hmm. Like those are three really good words um to just remember in addition to turning them to the Psalms. So mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, let's jump into our listener question. So uh this is a question we have this week. How do I lovingly confront a brother or sister in Christ uh who's currently living in sin?
2: Yeah. Uh That's a very good question and, yeah, applies to a lot of Romans. You know, as I hear that question, and I've heard that question before, even in like in small group and, um, yeah, just in a lot of different scenarios. And I feel like when you have that question, the first thing that should be Relevant or should be definitely there within that particular situation is a strong relationship between that brother and sister, that brother or whoever is in, like the, mm-hmm. the Christian people who are in that um, situation. And I feel like that's the primary, like, goal is that you are in first relationship with one another, that you have authentic relationship together. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times when I hear that question, people who ask me that. They're talking about someone who they kind of know, or they're in the same small group with, but don't really know them that well. And that is a recipe for disaster, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. to confront sin when you barely know the person or when you know them a little bit. And so I think the very, just the precursor for any of that confronting needs to happen in a strong relationship Uh, Mm -hmm. strong understanding of that person's story and background and things like that. Because, you know, in our society, we're so isolated in our own lives that, and we can easily, it's so easier to judge people Mm -hmm. than to actually confront sin in a lovingly, uh, like with mercy, with grace. And so that's the first, like, step I would say to anyone mm-hmm. and then of course when you confront the person I, you know I think the, the obvious things kind of stand do it lovingly do it with kindness do it one on one don't do it like over text or over email um, mm-hmm. or even video chat but to do it face to face It's something that's lost nowadays and and confront in, in that kind of way. Um, and yeah. then there are many different angles on how to approach it depending on the particular sin itself. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's kind of like the basic steps, I would say. That yeah. relationship is so key um, mm-hmm. because even if you're very strong in a relationship and that person, for example, uh, denies you or like kind of pushes you aside, yeah. uh, eventually, they they sh- I mean, if they, even if they do that, like they will still know that you're doing it out of care um, mm-hmm. and, and that you you know, if you know them, that you're not trying to like bash them with something. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's a really tough question, uh, especially in Chicago because, you know, mm-hmm. we have some relationships, but I feel like a lot of them are not that like longevity relationships because of just the mm-hmm. high mm-hmm. transient nature of our city. Yeah, And so it's definitely tough, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, yeah. That's like my first stab at it. I don't know what mm-hmm. you guys think about that. Yeah, yeah. I think like the key part is that like
1: the the lovingly piece that mm-hmm. it's um, sometimes I think we can notice something in our brother or sister's life. If that relationship does exist in mm-hmm. that, in that um, kind of strong and healthy way um, and not say anything about it. And the, the kind of the reality is that to not say anything is actually not all that loving because mm-hmm. the reason you speak up, the reason you say something isn't to condemn someone, but it's to... Um, it's to seek their benefit and even framing the conversation in that way that like I'm, I'm coming to you um, because I I want the best for you. And, and this is something that I've noticed. And and I think that there's, uh, there's better things out there for you. I I, I want better than this for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically even framing it in that way. um, That's maybe the only thing I would add. Sharon, what about you?
0: Yeah. Mine was the same thought of, you know, the, the, many iterations of like, you have to have truth and love, right? If you just have truth, it's harsh. If you just come across loving, it's not good for someone's sin. So what's the balance between truth and love and having that conversation with them? So Mm -hmm. I think you guys summarized it pretty well.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, I I think in terms of even like this passage kind of of closing and wrapping it up, it's the passage itself is interesting that Paul's talking a lot about God's judgment here. Mm -hmm. And the human reaction is to like, Critique God's judgment, but never do we ever critique God's love for us, right? Mm. And so, but yet God is so truthfully like loving, but and just, and that's who mm. He is. Mm-hmm. So when He blesses and when He punishes, He's being God. He's being the, the the true embodiment of love. And so, for us, when we you know critique or confront individuals who are sinning, uh, and we also allow ourselves to be critiqued and confronted, it's it's actually God's loving working out like God's love working out in our relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's so important because then Mm -hmm. the relationships actually become stronger and there's more trust Mm -hmm. built and we become more like Christ. And that's something Mm -hmm. that I I definitely think we we could use some more confrontation in our Mm -hmm. churches nowadays, I feel like. Um, But of course, in a lovingly like way and relationship Mm -hmm. through time and things like that. And Mm so, um, yeah, it's God is just when he punishes and God is just when he gives love, you know? And that's just for us to remember that and how we are to be that same uh, kind of doing that same manner. I think it's really important for us to do as well.
1: Yeah. Man, well, thanks for being with us, Noah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No problem. Well, y'all may not know this, but this is actually the last week that Sharon is going to be on uh, the podcast as the fellow co-host here. So Sandy Brandy, Sharon, we're going to miss you. (laughs) want to say it really it's been it's been great working on this together and having you as a co-host i've really really enjoyed it and appreciated uh, what you brought content wise and it's been a lot of fun
0: thanks thanks it's been really great
1: well thanks for being with us this week uh next week we have rafe chennery from south loop with us and we'll be discussing romans chapter 3 verses 9 through 20 should be great hope you can make it back thanks
0: can i get a slow slap on the podcast for me
2: Great. Right. <laughs>